On August 28, 1984, Joseph Fritzl asked his daughter Elizabeth to help him install a heavy door onto the entrance of an underground bunker. Elizabeth obliged, never daring to tell her father no. Once the door was installed, Joseph acted quickly, placing an ether-soaked cloth over his daughter's nose and mouth. When she woke up, she was alone and tied up in a soundproof dungeon where she would remain for the next 24 years of her life, a sexual slave to her sadistic, abusive captor. I'm Marina, with me I have my best friend Laura, and this is Grim. Stop letting Marina pick her own cases. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I have heard of this one. and I don't remember all the details, but that name I definitely remember. And so I'm excited is the wrong word. Mm. So in my defense, I didn't technically pick this case. This was a listener suggestion Mm -hmm. from Jennifer Lynn, who messaged us on Instagram. So you can thank Jennifer for this case. We love you. Thank you so much. Mm. And I had not heard of it. Um, and ironically, so, um, some of the sources that I used for this week's case, I read in all that's interesting article, but I also read a chapter of Nigel Cawthorn's book against their will, which you may remember was also Mm -hmm. the same book that I read for the Syracuse dungeon master. So I was on the fence about it. And then I saw that chapter and was like, yes, I'm doing this case. Wonderful. Yeah. And I also read, um, several guardian articles and a couple daily mail Mm -hmm. articles, Um, And this whole episode comes with a trigger warning um, on kidnapping, rape, lots of incest, if you didn't already get that from the opener. Or the dungeon. Yeah, Yeah. the dungeon. Mm -hmm. If that's not your vibe, you you might want to skip this one. Yep. And and just for our listeners who can't see us, I thought you might want to know that Marina and I left the microphones exactly where they were last time. So once again, we are peering at each other through the microphones. (laughs) We will never adapt. <laughs> no, we, we decided where we're sitting. It's kind of like homeroom. <laughs> you know, this is my seat. That's yours. That's it. And this is where the microphones go. Yes. Which are now attached to my table with a wooden spoon <laughs> because they're sturdier that way. <laughs> we keep it We keep it fresh around here. <laughs> now, before we start, we have to give a big old shout out and thank you to our newest Patreons. Yay. First up, we have Hallie. Woo! Hallie. Thank you, Hallie. We love Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Uh, second, we have Lynn R. Yeah, Lynn. Lynn we woo. love you. We love woo, you. Woo. And finally, we have Jim A. Jim A. Thanks, Jim. Jim A. Jim A. We love you we guys. We love you. Thank you so much, guys. Our love for our gremlins is free as always. But if you want your own shout out, I mean, who doesn't want that? <laughs> want to support our efforts to deliver you the best content possible and want some cool bonuses along the way? Check out our Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com and search Grim colon a true crime podcast. Right now, we have four Patreon bonus episodes available for our two highest tiers. So if you can't get enough Grim, hey, check it out. <laughs> So this is another one of those cases where I have more information about the captor than the captive. Mm. So I will just start with the villain in this story. Okay. I You really took me off the high of the Patreon shout outs. Oh, I, I jumped right, right, right in. I so. dragged you straight into Thank the dungeon. You. Thank you. You're for that. welcome. Joseph was born on April 9th, 1935 in Austria, and he had a dysfunctional family life. 
His grandfather was an incredibly controlling man. His grandmother couldn't bear children, so his grandfather ran around on her and impregnated other women and then forced her to adopt the other women's children as her own. Oh, my God. Joseph's mother was one of those children. So Joseph's mom had a dysfunctional upbringing living in that house. Yeah. Well, they say you marry someone like your father, and that's exactly what Joseph's mother did. She married a man who ran around on her and was also a severe alcoholic. Their scandalous relationship was the talk of their small Austrian town. Joseph's father left when he was only four years old. I read both that the father deserted Joseph and his mother, and I also read that his mother kicked him out for his infidelity. Either way, he was out of the picture and then later died in World War II. Joseph ended up being raised by just his mother, who was strict and beat him regularly. On top of the usual family dysfunction, Joseph was also growing up during war times. The town of Amstetten, where Joseph grew up and later lived, had a rail line used to move supplies for the war, so the area was frequently bombed and Joseph would have to hide in the cellar. Okay, that's traumatic. That's very scary for a child. Additionally, there were concentration camps in town, and it's almost certain that Joseph was a member of the Hitler Youth, given his age and location. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Joseph was a good student and went to college for electrical engineering at the age of 16. During that time, he had a number of affairs with women, learning from his father and grandfather, Uh until he met 17-year-old Rose Marie when he was 21 years old. The two married and had seven children together, including his daughter, Elizabeth, who was born on April 6, 1966. (sighs) Things started going awry for Joseph around the age of 24 as he began his career into sexual deviancy. Joseph would follow women in the park, walking behind them, masturbating with (gasps) his hand in his pants, which is very aggressive. Yeah. On one occasion... The woman he was following turned around and confronted him, and he was like, okay, and he was too afraid to ever do that again. Um, I can't believe she did that. Uh, that <laughs> seems very dangerous to yeah. me. I would never even consider doing that. No. But I get, that's a bad bitch. I'll you say. go, girl. Yeah, she's the one with the balls. Yeah. She could be. And nope. he didn't. He's like, I'm sorry. I won't do it again, ever <laughs> again. But Joseph had other ways to satisfy his urges. He took night classes and would walk home late where he would stop at open windows and listen to people having sex. Just so creepy. On one of those evenings in 1967, when he was walking home, just a year after Elizabeth was born, he took it even further and broke into a flat through the window where he attacked and raped a woman. He held a knife to her throat, threatening to kill her if she screamed. He may have also raped other women, but was only charged with this one. He was convicted and served 18 months in jail. While incarcerated, he lost his job, obviously, but he was such a talented engineer, he found a new job upon his release. And Joseph was well-respected in the community. And in addition to his engineering gig, he was also a landlord taking tenants into his family home, as well as a guest house he bought on a lake in a nearby town. It's a good thing they didn't have little tiny cameras back then. I know. Or he would have really enjoyed having tenants. So while appearing to be a family man from the outside looking in, Joseph was an abusive husband and father. Rosemary was afraid of him, and he humiliated her at home and with friends, calling her fat and ugly. Rosemary wanted to leave him, but she knew she couldn't protect all of her seven children if she did. One day in 1973, though, Rosemary had enough and left to stay at the guest house they owned on the lake. But Joseph insisted that the children stay with him and limited her visitation with them. She likely would have come home on her own, unable to stay away from her children, but she was forced to return home when the guest house burned to the ground. Oh. 
That's just quite the coincidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joseph was arrested for arson, but... Also a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. But the case had to be dismissed due to a lack of evidence. A little bit controlling, I'll say. Yeah. The children were not spared from Joseph's abusive, controlling ways. Joseph was compared to a drill sergeant and tyrant, which is not two words that you want to describe your father. No, not at all. Elizabeth was his favorite of the seven children, but that didn't save her either. She had bruises at school and was described as a shy, sad child. She faced Mm. strict rules and had to be home less than half an hour after school finished. She wasn't allowed out at night and friends weren't allowed over the house. She was essentially a prisoner in her own home. I don't think that she would want to be or anyone would want to be his favorite. That seems like you don't want that kind of attention from him. And it seems like it doesn't really get you anything. No. If you still get beaten, then what's the point? Exactly. To make matters much, much worse, mm. Joseph started sexually abusing Elizabeth when she was just 11 years old. Oh my God. He would rape her whenever they were left alone, regardless of whether they were in the woods or his car, basically Ugh. anywhere where the opportunity presented itself. I obviously don't need to say how horrible that is. Yeah. It just any kind of rape let me just say any kind of rape and then any kind of rape of a child and then to add on top of that your father which is you're supposed to be your safety and right. how that how that would mess with your mind just that poor poor child yeah it does not get any better i from here i it doesn't we can't just rewrite it no okay As Elizabeth matured, Joseph became paranoid and jealous. He would fly into a rage if he found Elizabeth wearing makeup or dresses. So even from an incredibly young age, Joseph was treating his young daughter more like a spouse or girlfriend, which is so disturbing. Yeah. When Elizabeth was 15, she ran away from home to escape her father. She worked as a waitress at a truck stop to support herself and lived in a hostel. But Joseph wouldn't have it. He found her and dragged her back home. She tried to escape him again at age 17, but with the help of police, Joseph found her again and brought her home. Surprisingly, Joseph let Elizabeth go to a catering college, staying on campus away from him for another brief time. At college, Elizabeth met a man named Andreas. The two began a relationship, and it was serious enough for them to talk about marriage. They hadn't consummated their relationship because every time they were right about to, Elizabeth would stop him, probably because she was very screwed up from uh, all, say, what her father had yeah. done to her. By the time she was ready and was committed to the idea of having sex with Andreas, her father showed up to bring her home. She never even got the chance to say goodbye. Her and Andreas had previously promised to write each other, and Andreas kept up his end of the bargain, but Elizabeth never wrote back for reasons Andreas learned later on. After her 18th birthday, Elizabeth was ready to try running away again. She had a bag packed, and she was ready to go, knowing the police couldn't force her back home. She told a male friend that she planned to move in with her sister and her boyfriend and that she would send her a new address once she moved. Her friend number heard from her again. Oh, no. On August 28th, 1984, less than five months after her 18th birthday, Elizabeth seemingly vanished into thin air. Her mother filed a missing persons report, but nothing came of it because no one was surprised. Police interviewed Rosemary and Joseph, and Joseph said she probably ran off with a religious cult since she had mentioned doing so in the past. Oh, that this is just so frustrating because leading up to her 18th birthday, I'm sure she, of course, the police thought they were doing the right thing and kept bringing her back and she couldn't leave. And I was hoping that maybe she, obviously she knew that something was bad, but that maybe there was kind of that like, um, 
not Stanford prison experiment, but like, what is that called? Oh, oh, Stockholm yes. syndrome. Yes. Um, so I was hoping maybe it was something like that and, and that she wouldn't know how bad it is, but if she kept trying to run away, she definitely did. Mm-hmm. And then now she's finally old enough. And of course the police are going to be like, yeah, you're right. She probably did just run away. She kept right. trying to run away. Right. Oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah. Yep. So a few weeks later, Joseph and Rosemary received a letter from Elizabeth. It was dated September 21st, 1984, and was postmarked in a town in Upper Austria. The letter told her parents she was living with a friend, she wasn't coming home, and her parents better not look for her or she'd leave the country. The people that knew her best and her family were relieved that she had finally gotten away from her abusive father. After they got the letter, Joseph told Elizabeth's former employer that she ran away and wouldn't be coming back. And they all lived happily ever after. The end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, unfortunately, the ending is far more sinister. Elizabeth never ran away to join a religious cult. In fact, she never even left the property. In 1978, when Elizabeth was just 12 years old, Joseph applied for a permit to build a nuclear shelter in his basement, which was not uncommon in Austria around this time, but that's never what he intended to use it for. Sounds like John Jay. Yeah. So sim like the Syracuse yep. Dungeon Vibes. Yep. Yep. it. I just couldn't remember how to pronounce his last name. So. <laughs> Jamelski. Yes. <laughs> it took Joseph almost six years to build the unbreachable shelter. In 1983, the building inspectors approved of his work and it was ready for use. In the middle of the night on August 28th, 1984, the day that Elizabeth vanished, Elizabeth was woken up by her father. He said he needed help putting a heavy steel door onto one of the rooms in the basement. Elizabeth knew better than to say no, so she went downstairs and helped her father wrestle this heavy door into place. Once the job was complete, Joseph grabbed Elizabeth and knocked her out with an ether-soaked towel. When she woke up, she was handcuffed to a metal pole in the dark. Elizabeth panicked, obviously, and screamed until her voice was hoarse, Mm -hmm. but it was no use. Joseph had made sure the room was insulated and soundproof. She was now her father's prisoner in the secret room that was only 215 square feet. Oh my goodness. And also having having dealt with all that abuse all her life, I'm sure that she had a clue what was happening. You know, she wasn't thinking, oh, maybe, well, maybe she was thinking he would kill her, but yeah. she definitely knew she was not in for a good time. Yeah, that would be my first thought, not that I would be kept prisoner for 24 years. Right, right, true. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure what you'd want to know. Neither. True. Option C. Door number three. (laughs) Ignorance. Ostrich approach. Joseph left her alone for a few days, which I'm not sure if that was better or worse for Elizabeth. After a few days, Joseph put her on a long leash so that she could reach a makeshift bathroom, like a caged animal. Elizabeth would stay on that leash for nine months. Once Elizabeth was settled in, Joseph started raping her down there. At first, she resisted and Joseph beat her to get his way. Taking inspiration from his youth, Joseph called the basement his Reich, and he was the Fuhrer, so he wasn't going to take no for an answer. Oh, twisted. Knowing she had no choice, Elizabeth was defeated and stopped fighting back. Joseph stopped beating her as much at that point, but not completely, as he took sadistic pleasure from it. Joseph would go to the basement every morning at 9 a.m., His family thought he was just dedicated to his career, going to a quiet space to draw plans for the machines that he sold at his job. Sometimes he would even spend the night in the basement, but that's just the kind of hardworking man that he was. I I, am not shocked that his family 
didn't go down there, didn't try to go down there, given that he ruled the roost. But it does make you just sick to know that her whole family was probably, what, feet away, basically. On top of her. Yeah, exactly. And had no idea. Who who would ever imagine, though? No. No. if I'm, I'm trying to think of a situation where if I was like, you know, afraid of my dad or like right. afraid of my husband and he was like, never go into my workshop. Like that is my personal yeah, space. You never would. I wouldn't be like, oh, that's because he's keeping someone <laughs> captive for two decades. You know, right. like you'd just be like, wow, he's very secretive and mm-hmm. hardworking and leave his space alone. Mm-hmm. Especially if you really thought that she was, she would have run away and would have been better off running away. Of course you'd right. think, of course you'd think that's what happened. I, I feel helpless on her behalf. It's I know. It's just horrendous. When no one's looking for you. Yeah. We talked about that in the yep. Syracuse Dungeon Master mm-hmm. too. When no one's looking for you, mm-hmm. there's just, you, you have to feel hopeless. Wow. Yeah. So Rosemary supported Joseph's dedication and drive working in the basement, but he made sure to tell her never bother him down there, not even mm-hmm. to bring a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Joseph forced Elizabeth to continue to write letters to her mother. She had to continue the facade that she ran away from home to join a religious sect. No one questioned the fact that this type of organization didn't operate in Austria. No. (laughs) After a year, the police were no longer concerned about Elizabeth's whereabouts and they stopped looking for her. Well, and the family certainly didn't push it. Right. So why would they? Just another runaway. Yep. Yep. Joseph stopped sleeping with Rosemarie around the same time, telling her in front of family and friends, you're too fat for sex. Fat women are below my standard. Wow. What an outstanding gentleman. He's just the picture of chivalry. (laughs) I couldn't even find words. I'm disturbed. When he was seen buying lingerie for a much thinner woman, he told his closest friends that he had a thin girlfriend, which I'm sure none would have guessed that his thin girlfriend was actually his daughter. He forced Elizabeth to wear lingerie and sexy outfits for him, and he would dress up as well. And with her mother no longer in the picture to satisfy his needs, Elizabeth had to withstand the force of Joseph's full sexual appetite. Actually stomach turning. Mm -hmm. Two years into her captivity, Elizabeth became pregnant, but she miscarried 10 weeks into the pregnancy. Two years later, however, she fell pregnant again, this time carrying to term. For a moment, Elizabeth was hopeful that her father would release her so that she could receive proper medical care. Instead, he bought her medical textbooks, towels, and diapers. The only bright side was that Joseph's sexual interest in Elizabeth waned during her pregnancy. Prior to the birth, Joseph drove hundreds of miles away to buy baby food and clothes so that no one would recognize him. In August of 1988, Elizabeth gave birth to a baby girl named Kirsten, completely alone by herself in the basement. I can't even fathom. I have chills just reading it. Like she is a super hero. I almost died with an epidural. So like to do it by yourself with no drugs all alone. At 16, if I'm doing the math right, because I think she was, was she 12 when she was taken? She was born in 66. That was 88. So she was 22. Oh, Mm. close, Laura. Close. Close. (laughs) Yeah. For some reason, I thought she was 12 when she went. We know how I do about ages when I'm listening. No. So she was 12. She was 12 when he started building the bunker. She was 18 when he took her. Yes. And it was four years into it. Thank you. I got you. And then carry carry the two. And okay. Got it. You don't have enough fingers for that. (laughs) I just cannot imagine. First of all, giving a birth to a baby with no 
modern medical care. Right. Giving birth to a baby alone with uh-huh. no modern medical care. Giving birth to your father's incestual oh. rape baby with no modern medical care uh-huh. I in a dungeon. After having an entire pregnancy alone in a dungeon without any medical care. I just can't. Right. I, I just can't. I don't. Yeah, I can't. Unfathomable. She's a hero. Yeah. She's a hero. Poor baby Kirsten was sickly from the start. She suffered from a form of epilepsy related to incest and obviously didn't have proper prenatal care or postnatal care. But Elizabeth took care of her the best that she could given the circumstances. Being a mother gave her a purpose in that hellhole. Mm. Joseph went right back to raping Elizabeth after Kirsten's birth. No protection and lots of rape meant more babies. Oh my God. Two years later, Elizabeth gave birth to a baby boy named Stefan. And two years after that, in 1992, Elizabeth gave birth to her second daughter, Lisa. Lisa had a heart defect, likely from the incestual genetics, and she cried a lot as a baby because of her health issues. And Joseph became worried that someone would hear her. So he developed a plan. In order to protect her daughter, Elizabeth went along with this plan. On May 19, 1993, Rosemarie found Lisa on their doorstep in a cardboard box with a letter stuck to it that said, Dear parents, you will probably be shocked to hear from me after all these years and with a real-life surprise, no less. I'm leaving you my little daughter, Lisa. Take good care of my little girl. The letter explained that the religious cult she joined didn't allow children, and she begged her parents to raise the little girl. She said, I breastfed her for about six and a half months, and now she drinks her milk from the bottle. She's a good girl, and she eats everything else from the spoon. I hope that you are all healthy. I will contact you again later, and I beg you not to look for me because I am doing well. My mouth is hanging open. I am I was stuck for a little while thinking how there were just two, what, four-year-old and a two-year-old in the basement, in the dungeon with her, and then this is just blowing my mind. Mm-hmm speechless which is not very helpful for a podcast (laughs) but but it's really i'm speechless but you're dictating your speechlessness so that counts okay that's all i can do that counts and in addition to the letter joseph made elizabeth uh record tape record a call for rosemary and rosemary fell for the whole lie hook line and sinker of course why wouldn't she it's not actually that crazy if you ignore all the actual facts (laughs) minor details but it's you could imagine that being the fact. Right. Wow. And to take it even one step further, Joseph had the police get a handwriting expert to confirm that the letter that came with Lisa actually was from his daughter. So Rosemarie just accepted that her daughter dropped off this child on their doorstep and so did social services. Because again, why would you question it? Wow. They felt that Lisa had found a loving home in the Fritzels even though Elizabeth had run away due to the poor treatment from mm-hmm. her father and her father had been incarcerated for rape. But I mean, not again, that details. Yeah. No, that matters. Fine. Once Joseph and Rosemarie were confirmed to be Lisa's grandparents, they were permitted to adopt her and social services would have been unaware of Joseph's prior rape conviction as it would have been expunged by that time under Austrian law. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. Kirsten and Stefan remained in the cellar with, Elizabeth for the duration of her imprisonment, being brought weekly rations of food and water by Joseph, but not enough to truly nourish them. Joseph wanted them all to be weak so that they couldn't overtake him. So they were almost adults by the time, by the end of the their their imprisonment. Yeah, Kirsten was nineteen. I 
what a social and, and I'm not saying in a good way, what a social experiment I know. for to be raised, if you can even call it that, in that environment. I, I, once again, as I always do with your cases, I suppose I should just let you tell me these things, but I'm just, I'm, my mind is blown that you, I, cause I think I knew that she had had a baby. I didn't realize it was multiple kids. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't realize that it was for that duration and that they literally grew up in this dungeon. They did. Wow. Yeah. Three of them grew wow. up and were not rescued until the very end. Wow. Yeah, we we'll we'll talk more I, about. Yeah, sorry. I'm just. It, I know it, yeah. it's unfathomable. Yeah. I I just I don't know how these cases keep being brought to my attention, and you keep saying, "Yeah, sure, sure." <laughs> <laughs> I'll just research it. I thought four years was bad with right. John Jamalski. Right. This is 24. Wow. I know. I know. But as the children grew, the 215 square feet in the basement got a bit cramped. Yeah, I bet. So Joseph wanted to upgrade. He made Elizabeth dig out 4,000 cubic feet of dirt that he snuck out in seven truckloads to make the new bunker seven times the original size. That amount of dirt weighed 200 tons, which is an insane amount of work for someone who is weak and malnourished to accomplish. Oh, and she was pregnant again. <laughs> Laura's mouth <laughs> once is still again, just hanging once open. Once again, catching flies over here. Yeah, Elizabeth gave birth to her third daughter, Monica, on February 26, 1994, before the cellar project was complete, so Monica would join baby Lisa upstairs. On December 16, 1994, Joseph had a caller phone the house and say, I just left her at your door. Rosemarie was confused as the call she had received came in on her new unlisted number, but again, who could guess the truth as to why they would know the number? Monica was on the doorstep like Lisa had been, and her note said, I'm really sorry that I have to turn to you again. I hope Lisa's doing well. She must have grown a bit by now. Monica is now nine and a half months old. She was breastfed for seven and a half months. She now eats almost anything, but she still likes the bottle best. The hole in the teat has to be a little bigger for her. The Fritzels didn't adopt Monica in order to collect the $535 a month benefit check from the government. A local journalist heard about the Fritzl situation and actually interviewed the family. Joseph took the opportunity to repeat his story that Elizabeth ran away to a religious cult that didn't allow children. So they took them in. Can you imagine? And I always start it with that, but you literally can't imagine it. <laughs> but for Elizabeth, because she wrote all these letters at, against her will, but she wrote right, all these letters. Right. Can you imagine having to write because she probably did think of Lisa she probably did think you know what I mean right she she did hope she was doing well I just it breaks my heart to think of her writing those letters and knowing that it's not like the her children are going to an adoption agency where maybe they will actually be adopted into a loving family she knows where they're going right awful it must have been a blessing and a curse for her though in writing those letters because she must have felt some relief in knowing that some of her children were not going to grow up in that dungeon. Okay, true, true. You know, even though upstairs was, yeah. you know, bleak, it definitely was not as bleak as true. the dungeon. And I don't think her mother was okay right. as far as I right. read. So she must have been sad to be away from them, but to not have them in the dungeon, true. I think is still probably preferable. I think unfathomable, as difficult as that word is, is going to be our word for today. It is the word of the day. Yeah. So back to the cellar renovations, Joseph smuggled out all the dirt 
and simultaneously smuggled in tiles, bricks, wooden wall panels, a washing machine, a kitchen sink, beds, and pipes. So everything with the kitchen sink then. <laughs> yes. Wow, though. I'm, I, I still can't get over her moving 4,000 cubic feet of I, dirt. I know. Probably over a long time, but it doesn't matter. It that's, doesn't matter. That's, yeah. That's a whole lot of dirt. You can cut your lawn with scissors, and I don't know what my point is there. It would <laughs> take a very long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if Joseph wasn't planning to be in it for the long haul before that point, he was now. He hooked up the electrical himself, and he may have actually had a plumber go down there to hook up the simple plumbing because he was not a plumber by any stretch of the imagination, but no one ever came forward to admit it was them if he did have someone else do it. Mm. I'd probably keep that under mm-hmm. my tube. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Is that your new phrase? Yes. I like it. Have for, you never heard that before? No. Keep it under your tube. <laughs> No, no, I've only heard the uh, full version, which is keep it under your toupee. (laughs) Well, it's the same thing. I'm aware. Okay. Even with the upgrade, there was no light or ventilation in the bunker. And now with a shower down there, the conditions were damp and musty. And Joseph didn't want to risk getting caught by providing them any type of piped in air, which would ruin the soundproofing. He did agree to provide a UV light and vitamin D tablets since none of them ever saw the sun, which again, unfathomable. I wrote, which I cannot fathom. Like it's perfect. Uh, Wow. That's what I've got for you. Wow. Recently it was cloudy for like six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was so sad and I missed the sun. Also there's, there's, the element for Elizabeth of having known what that, what the sun is yes. and, and missing it. But her children literally have never seen what well, let's not even get into. They haven't seen outdoors no. or any other people or any of that side of things, but no. literally haven't seen the sun. No. It, speechless. No. <laughs> nope. So if that all wasn't bad enough, the highest ceiling in the bunker was five foot six inches. So Elizabeth and the growing children had to stoop in many areas and just crouch around this tiny, tiny dungeon. Not much forethought from Joseph there. No. I wanted to call him John for a second. They're one and the same. Really? They're interchangeable. Mm -hmm. Joseph ruled the basement with tyranny and fear. The two oldest children and Elizabeth were all too weak to confront Joseph, but if they did join forces, he said he would pump poison gas into the cellar. And even if they could overpower him, they couldn't get out as the door required a code. And Joseph told them anyone who touched it without the code would be electrocuted. Another two years. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your my, face. My, my your mouth face. is still, it's just all the things I'm like, oh, maybe you could do this. You're like, and it would be electrocuting <laughs> you. It's just, I, I, I think we talked about this in uh, the the previous dungeon episode mm-hmm. where you can't attack him because if he dies you're also going to die and now right. you're dying with it it's that's terrible too i was thinking the same thing with this and i and again i thought oh maybe you can just try a different code every time but if he's an electrical engineer he could probably make it electrocute you in some way right that probably wasn't true but i don't i think that probably was a lie right. but who'd risk it exactly right because he's clearly insane right goodness very much so Another two years later, Elizabeth was pregnant again. Oh my God. This time with twins. She only realized it was twins during labor when her labor <gasps> continued after delivering the first baby. It's, can, it's unfathomable, right? I, right. I'm going through adjectives right now and I don't have any more. You're out of them. I'm out of them. 
She named the two boys Michael and Alexander, and tragically, only one of the twins made it. Baby Michael struggled to breathe from birth, and Joseph did nothing to get him medical attention. The baby was dead when Joseph returned to the bunker just three days after he was born. And what did he do with the baby, you may ask? Mm. He burned the baby's Mm. tiny body in the furnace with the other household garbage. (gasps) I I don't... I don't know what I expected him to do. I wrote what the fuck with 10 K's. Yep. I see that. I see that because it is fucked up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I (laughs) just take it out on the microphone. I am. I'm verklempt. Alexander was brought upstairs to be with Lisa and Monica. Social services again approved and the Fritzels were permitted another monthly fee. Social services visited the home 21 times and found all the children healthy and well-adjusted. Ironically, the children's biggest fear was that their mother would return and try to take them away from the only parents they knew. Isn't that heartbreaking? It is. The money Joseph was receiving from the state wasn't enough to satisfy his lifestyle and provide for his two families, so he decided to commit insurance fraud. Classic. It wouldn't be a grim episode if we didn't discuss insurance. Of course. He lit two small fires in the house on separate occasions and filed insurance claims each time. The insurance company let us down here uh, because they didn't investigate it well enough. You know, the fact that he had a prior arson charge for burning down the guest house and, you know, he was ultimately paid out. Oh, It's disappointing. Very. By the way, had the fires gotten out of hand, his whole downstairs family would have died in the fire. Absolutely. And you had mentioned this before, but Elizabeth and her children were terrified of being trapped down there in an emergency or if something happened to Joseph. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. Joseph told them that there was a mechanism built in that would open the door if something happened to him. But that was likely a lie. And the door never opened when Joseph would spend long vacations in Thailand as a sex tourist. Of all the words I thought you were going to say, those were not. Those were not them. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think I was going to say? I I don't know. Like napping? Oh, no. Upstairs? No. So how? Wow. So because they're completely dependent on him. Well, for literally everything, but also food and Mm -hmm. all that. Also, I wonder how they even could breathe after that long period of time. I guess it's just from opening the door to come in if there's no other air coming in there must be some there must be some oxygen and ventilation coming just from the basement that is connected to all those doors right. I because guess. there's no other piping right. wow i don't know it, it that has to do something that there has to be less oxygen than yes, normal down exactly. there exactly right so i don't know I'm trying not to think too hard about it, to be quite honest I know. With you. The problem is I'm thinking about every detail. Yeah, I can't live there. Can't live there no. in my mind. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is how I feel, too. Yeah. yeah. Like the words. Back to Thailand and the sex tourism. Oh, right, yeah. Right. Despite holding Elizabeth hostage and raping her on a whim, Joseph loved to pay for sex workers as well. But they didn't love to have him as a client. He was part of the small minority of customers so extremely perverted, they thought he must be mentally deranged. And they'd be right. They they would be accurate. Yeah, that's correct. Some women refused to take his money because he was violent and into domination. He would even ask them to play dead like a corpse. Oh. Yeah, don't, don't like that. No. To each their own, honestly. No, but, no, no, no. <laughs> well, well, wait, let me finish. 
when you couple like if, if you want to have like weird consensual sex that's totally fine but okay, like when yep. you take this and you couple it with with his rape charges and him holding his daughter hostage mm -hmm. and you know the bizarre situation of children just showing up on his doorstep mm -hmm. and you know his behavior with the sex workers like may, may, let's maybe check this guy out uh-huh let's maybe look into him if listen if they didn't look into the arson they're not looking into this yeah. I just, I don't know. I would just be concerned that like children keep showing up on his doorstep. And... Yeah. Honestly, after, honestly, after the second one, I would have some alarm bells going off. I'd be like, where is your daughter? Right. Can we get her address? But the third one, that's not raising any flags. <laughs> I All of them should raise all exactly. the flags. There should be at least three flags raised in their <laughs> front yard. At least. Correct. Unfortunately for Elizabeth, the sex workers only gave her a small reprieve from her father. When he was home, he continued to rape her, doing it shamelessly in front of Kirsten and Stefan, even though they were teenagers at this point. Oh. Elizabeth got pregnant again and oh, in my God. 2003 gave birth to her seventh child, Felix. Elizabeth was allowed to keep Felix downstairs with her because Rosemary was 63 and was already taking care of the other three children. And maybe four would have raised the flags. Yeah, okay. maybe the fourth one would have My done it. goodness. Elizabeth did her absolute best to be a good mother under the circumstances. There were no windows, so there was never any way to tell day from night, but Elizabeth kept them on a schedule as best she could. She did her best to teach them what she knew, and she made up fairy tales and lullabies to entertain them. The kids were able to get some impression of the outside world by watching the small TV Joseph had brought them that they left on at all times. Joseph also bought a video player so that he could watch videos with the children while Elizabeth cooked dinner. In Joseph's mind, this was literally his second family, and he felt like he was treating them so kindly. But he was also a sadistic fuck. I cannot believe this is a true story. Is I know it, I know it is, but right. I'm I am listening to this like it is a a really intense horror movie, but it is a, this really happened. These this these poor people, I don't even, I don't, again, I'm out of adjectives. I have to agree with you. This is better suited to be a made up movie. Yes. If you watch this movie, they were like, no way he could right. hold her for 24 years exactly. because X or right. like Y or yep. like something with the kids. But no, this is a true story. I can just imagine it. I can picture it, I guess is the, the word. And that's where my mind just has to go that it must be a movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, it it's unfathomable again yes it's the word of the episode yes. unfathomable he was so sadistic this is so cruel to me he would show elizabeth pictures of her children playing in the sun in in the pool and he would show the downstairs children videos of the upstairs children out in the world to show them what they were missing why i don't know i don't know how Obviously, he's sadistic, but right. I don't understand how he, on one hand, could say, you know, this was my second family. Like, I treated them so kindly, and he's doing this to torture them, basically. Absolutely. I just, I'm... <laughs> you, you're it's, speechless? Yeah. Unfathomable. <laughs> he also used that same video player that he used to show the children videos to show Elizabeth pornography videos and made her reenact them. So even the small joy she had from that television was tarnished by this monster. Of course it was. Elizabeth always stayed strong for her children. She suffered from the condition she was living in. Her teeth began to rot and fall out one by one, but she never complained and did her best to manage her children's medical issues at the same time. 
in that bunker. They had no sunlight, got no exercise, and lived in constantly moist, moldy conditions from the lack of ventilation. Both Kirsten and Felix had respiratory issues for which Joseph never provided them proper medical care. Felix would shake uncontrollably for hours, and Kirsten would scream hysterically in fits. Their health deteriorated with each passing day. Yeah, well, I'm sure he didn't provide toothbrushes and, you know, no. basic, basic hygiene. Right. Meanwhile, Joseph carried on with parties literally above their heads. He had a big party for his 70th birthday in 2005, and the next year there was a big bash to honor his and Rosemary's 50th wedding anniversary, which was hosted by the mayor. What a fucking joke. I, I said this in the Dungeon Master, but I just envision this stark dichotomy of dark and light, upstairs, downstairs, heaven mm -hmm. and hell, mm -hmm. picturing them in this literal hellhole this dark darkness and then you just sort of like pan up like in a movie yes you pan up above the grass to this you know big party in a Music flower garden and people dancing right. yeah that's exactly what i'm imagining and again i could you'd see it in a movie and you'd think exactly as you said no way right that's crazy but no way right and just the fact that this actually happened right is unfathomable right Joseph was getting older and it was getting tougher to manage two families. So Joseph began plotting a way to release his prisoners. He had planned on releasing Elizabeth earlier, but he always put it off because he didn't want anyone to know about what he'd done. We mentioned in the Syracuse Dungeon Master that this is why kidnapping victims often do not survive to tell the tale. Now, interestingly, between John and Joseph, John, I don't think we discussed this at length, but we don't think that he thought he was doing anything wrong. And that's why he would let people out and right. just let them go. It seems that Joseph, however sadistic, knew that he was doing something wrong if he knew he couldn't just let them go because he didn't want anyone to find out. Yeah. I, mm, I'll i tell you a little bit more about what Joseph thought. And I'm not sure he's fully sorry for his actions. Oh, I don't think he's sorry for yeah. them at all. I think, but you he, think he knows that other people would find it unacceptable. Whereas John, I think, was like, what do you mean you don't have a girl in your basement? Right, yeah. And I think Joseph was definitely hiding it more right. than John was. Right. Yeah. Though, oh, there's literally no way that John didn't think it was wrong in some I agree. way, shape, or form. I think he, he made it seem like he yeah. didn't think anything was wrong. I'm not buying that. No. Joseph planned to tell everyone that Elizabeth decided to leave the cult and he would blame her horrid physical health and that of the children on the conditions imposed on them by the cult. No explanation as to how she was allowed to keep three children with the cult when she sent the other three to them because kids weren't allowed. That's what I was just going to ask. Yeah. What was his story for that? Um, I didn't find it if it existed. I guess we were just going to sail through that one. Maybe because they were, well, they were, the two older kids were right. teenagers, but Felix was five. Right. So. Joseph forced Elizabeth to write a letter saying she was hoping to be home within six months in order to set the stage and get the ball rolling. But the universe had other plans for Joseph and his underground family. Kirsten got sick. Incredibly sick. Oh, no. Joseph tried to treat her with cough syrup and aspirin, but she was suffering from convulsions, coughing up blood, and fell into a coma. <gasps> Elizabeth begged Joseph to get her proper medical care, and eventually Joseph gave in. Rosemary had just left for vacation in Italy, so Joseph and Elizabeth carried Kirsten, who was still unconscious, out of the dungeon and into the house upstairs. 
Joseph made Elizabeth go straight back down to the cellar, which she felt compelled to anyways because her two boys were still down there and she wouldn't leave them. Of course not. On April 19th, 2008, at 7 a.m., Joseph called an ambulance for Kirsten, who was brought to Amstetten's most virital state hospital. Hospital staff were confused by her condition upon her arrival, to say the least. Joseph showed up an hour later and spun his web of lies. He told them his daughter had joined a religious cult, and this was just another of her children that had been dropped off on his doorstep. She's 19, but anyways... Kirsten came with a note like all the others that said, Wednesday, I gave her aspirin and cough medicine for the condition. Thursday, the cough worsened. Friday, the coughing gets even worse. She's been biting her lip as well as her tongue. Please, please help her. Kirsten is really terrified of other people. She was never in a hospital. If there are any problems, please ask my father for help. He's the only person that she knows. P.S. Kirsten, please stay strong until we see each other again. We will come back to you soon. Wow. After Joseph talked with the hospital staff, he just left, not even waiting for a diagnosis or for Kirsten's condition to improve, and he told staff not to call the police. That is a hell of a day if you are in that hospital. Right. I'm sure they get lots of crazy things, but I, I would bet you that's the craziest. I don't think that pictures exist of them after they came out of this basement. I can't imagine... I truly can't imagine what she looked like for you to have never seen the sun mm-hmm. for 19 years. Mm-hmm. Um, she had lost all of her teeth mm-hmm. like Elizabeth. I'm sure she was malnourished. Well, we yes. know that she was malnourished, yes. but I'm sure she was skin and bones, no the, muscle. The only thing that I could picture that I think could probably do it any justice is someone that had been at a concentration camp. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Awful. That's the only thing that I can think of that would probably evoke that same type of, oh my gosh, like what happened to you? Yeah. I I can't, can't. So the hospital staff were like, oh, okay, don't call the police. Okay. Right. Dr. Albert Ryder was on duty and he wasn't buying any of it, thankfully. Kirsten was obviously sick, but he didn't think her overall physical condition had anything to do with her illness. Mm -hmm. He didn't believe that her mother would abandon her in her current condition, and he also didn't understand how a 19-year-old could have lost all of her teeth. So he immediately called the police, who went to Joseph's house to interview him. Joseph told police that he'd heard noises outside early in the morning, and when he went to investigate, he found Kirsten. That's his story, and he's sticking to it. Dr. Ryder did his best to save Kirsten, but he was at a loss without having any of her medical history. Her immune system was non-existent. She had to be put on a ventilator and dialysis because her body was shutting down. Specialists were called in from Vienna, but they were at a loss too. The doctors implored Kirsten's mother to come forward so that they could try to save her. She would if she could. Exactly. In the meantime, police were on the hunt for Kirsten's primary care physician for more information on her medical history, but obviously they had no luck. Police also wanted to interview Elizabeth because they felt as though they were looking at a case of neglect. You think? Joseph, wanting to be helpful in the investigation, produced a letter from January 2008 explaining that there were two other children with medical issues that would be home soon. The letter was postmarked in a town 30 miles from the Fritzel home and police descended upon the area looking for doctors or anyone that knew of Kirsten or her mother. Obviously, again, no one had seen anyone that looked like Kirsten and no doctors in the area had treated her. No one knew about any religious cult in the area either. Mm-hmm. Now Joseph's story was starting to fall apart. Police reached out to the diocese in Austria and spoke to Dr. Manfred Wolfhart. 
The doctor didn't know of any strange religious sects operating in Austria. Police showed him the letters from Elizabeth that allegedly came from the cult. The doctor reviewed them carefully and noted that they were carefully written and grammatically well-constructed. He said the letters were dictated, not something that was written in a rush to a relative during an emergency. Wow, that's perceptive. It was perceptive. If only the police had noticed the same thing. I know. But obviously the situation was bizarre. I think obviously and unfathomable are the words of the episode. Which is funny because they're kind of opposites. A little bit. A little bit. They're, you know how you say like some things are cousins? They're not related. (laughs) (laughs) Police began looking through official records for Elizabeth Fritzel, Kirsten, Stefan, and Felix. There was nothing on record for Elizabeth for the past 24 years. She had no passport or driver's license, so she couldn't have left the country. And as for the children, there was absolutely nothing. No birth record, no school registrations, nothing. So police knew they had to try another route. They wanted to take DNA from Kirsten and the other children so they could screen out the maternal DNA and try to isolate the father's DNA. Well, that might be tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For reasons incredibly obvious to us, Joseph refused. Mm -hmm. Dr. Ryder was still desperate to save Kirsten, and her mother again obviously had not come forward. Dr. Ryder issued a news announcement on their public service broadcast station, again, imploring Kirsten's mother to come forward and knowing that she might be afraid about police involvement assured her that there would be high discretion for any information received. After the announcement, reporters flocked to the Fritzel home. Instead of using the publicity to ask Elizabeth to come home, Joseph was mad and cursed the quote, bloody doctor. Mm -hmm. But the message got through. Elizabeth had seen Dr. Ryder on TV, and she knew Kirsten was dying. Elizabeth begged Joseph to let her go to the hospital to see her daughter. She promised that she would lie and tell everyone about the religious cult and say everything that she needed to. She just wanted to see her daughter. On Saturday, April 26th, a week after Kirsten had arrived at the hospital, Joseph called Dr. Ryder and told him that Elizabeth came home and that he was bringing her to the hospital. He told Dr. Ryder that she just wanted to see her daughter and that they didn't want any trouble, so don't call the police. Okay. (laughs) But the police were already all over this situation, so when Elizabeth and Joseph got to the hospital, they intercepted them. The police only intended to take Elizabeth, but Joseph put up a fight. They thought to protect his daughter, so they both ended up being arrested. Joseph and Elizabeth were brought to the police station and separated for interviews. Elizabeth was interviewed about the criminal neglect of her daughter, but police knew something was up. Elizabeth was absolutely terrified. Well, and not to mention, did she not look very similar to her daughter? Like her, um, like missing teeth, malnourished, all of the same things, you know? Yes. She was only 42, but they said she looked like she was in her 60s. I also cannot process that she was 42. Right. Of course, that makes sense, math, but... I also, we'll talk about this like once we get through, but I was also thinking about the time period, 1984 to 2008, right? That is a hell of a time period to not see the world. I know. And that's even, there are reintegration programs for prisoners in that situation where they start to be introduced to technology and, and just given information about the world because it is startling to you to be dropped into that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But she uh, also had gray hair, no teeth, 
and she refused to answer their questions. She just kept asking about Kirsten. And I'm also anxious for her two children who remain right still in the bunker. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Yep. The police were insistent and asked her about the letter from January, 2008 that said there were two more children who Mm -hmm. likely needed Mm -hmm. help. Elizabeth stuck to the story that she joined a religious cult that didn't allow children. And that's why she sent the children to her parents. The police were still confused because that didn't explain what happened to her or what was wrong with Kirsten. Police continued to hound her with questions, and Elizabeth started to become agitated. She asked the police to assure her that neither she nor her children would ever have to see her father again. Police were like, okay, we promise. So Elizabeth unloaded and told them everything about her 24-year incarceration. That must have been mind-blowing. Police were probably like, wait, what? Right. Wait, what? I, you, to the point where I worry that they wouldn't believe her because right. it is so out of this world. They were dumbfounded, especially because Joseph was a family man who right. was so well-respected in right. the community. He adopted the two kids. He took it. Right. The yeah. three mm-hmm. kids. Three. Sorry. Yeah. But the police couldn't ignore the evidence that was right in front of them. Elizabeth was in tough shape and Kirsten was knocking on death's door. Police confronted Joseph with the allegations. At first, he refused to talk. Then he said his daughter had obviously joined the religious cult. He had the letters to prove it. And then he said he was mad that she had betrayed him so quickly. Are you, are you kidding me? For Like, she owes you any loyalty after you stole her whole life? Also, what a dumb statement. You just, right. Oh, you just, okay. You he's just like, he's like now. I don't know what you're talking about. She joined a cult. That bitch sold me down the river. <laughs> Really, though, like, I'm sure it was probably a little more conversation than that. But But you know what? I think to a certain extent, if if it's true that he had wanted to release her, Mm -hmm. but he was afraid that people would find out he's a monster, if that's all true, then I think he knew that the jig was going to be up when this happened. You know, how she's really going to go her whole life without saying anything. I mean, really. I guess he maybe thought that, but I was surprised she went with it as long as she did, actually, with the police. I would assume it's because the two children were in the bunker. True. Because she does not have the codes. Yeah. Police wanted to confirm Elizabeth's allegations further and figured that if they could find the dungeon where she was kept, that would sufficiently corroborate her story. Yep. On initial review, the police didn't find it because the entrance to the dungeon was so well hidden. Are there going to be pictures? There's a few. There's a few. Joseph knew that the jig was up, so he showed them the way, giving them a tour of the normal basement rooms, including his office and the furnace where he cremated baby Michael. In Joseph's workshop, behind a shelving unit, was a heavy steel door three feet high with a remote control locking device. The police and Joseph had to walk by eight locked doors in order to even get to that point. Once again, my mouth is hanging open. Mm -hmm. Police convinced him to give them the code to open it. Inside was a narrow corridor that led to a padded, soundproof room, which is where Elizabeth was originally kept. Beyond that was a small living area, and then another corridor a foot wide that you would have to turn sideways to shimmy down. There was a rudimentary kitchen and bathroom. The shower tiles had a butterfly, octopus, flower, and snail painted on the walls. Beyond that, there were two small bedrooms with two beds each, a washer, a fridge, and a freezer. 
There was a toy elephant on top of the medicine cabinet, a small TV, and a few craft supplies for the children, like glue and scraps of paper. The whole place was lit by electric bulbs on a timer. Police found 18-year-old Stefan and 5-year-old Felix cowered inside the bunker, and both were pale and terrified. Again, the ceilings were only 5 foot 6 inches at the highest point, so Stefan could only walk around in a crouched stance. For his entire life. Mm-hmm. His entire life. Right. That is how he walked around. It's like it's like Will Ferrell in Elf, where he goes to New York City, and he's like, the bathrooms are huge. Like, when they bring him up into right. the real world, it's right. like you can stand up for the first time. <sighs> I, can you? I don't even know if his body would allow him. Probably not. No, wow. probably not. The younger... The younger boy, Felix, walked around on all fours like an animal. The police brought the boys outside, and they were in awe of the sunlight, which they had never seen before. Though, now, I feel obviously worse for all the children, but the police probably needed some therapy after that. Right. After seeing those conditions, and I, I, you would have nightmares upon nightmares upon nightmares, I yeah. think, having walked into that. Right. The boys were talking to each other in a type of babbled code and growling, but could also speak some German. Felix pointed to the clouds and asked a police officer if God was up there. Elizabeth was brought from the police station to the house to help ease her son's anxiety. And then they went to the hospital for comprehensive checkups at dusk because they weren't used to the sunlight. Oh my goodness. They were literally mole people at this point. Yes. Elizabeth and the kids were all suffering from vitamin D deficiency from the lack of sunshine and were also anemic and malnourished. Their immune systems were compromised and Felix's joints and muscles failed to develop properly, probably due to him walking on all fours. Of course. I'm picturing Spot from The Good Dinosaur, which if you don't have kids, you probably have no no idea what I'm talking about, but he walks on all fours. Yeah. He's like a Neanderthal child. Oh, I was thinking the the dinosaur. In the age of the dinosaurs. No. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) While Kirsten remained in a medically induced coma, Elizabeth, Stefan, and Felix went to Amstetten Mauer Landel Skillenkum. <laughs> Do you want to say that again? <laughs> yes. I wrote myself a pronunciation key, but it didn't help. Landesklinikum Psychiatric Clinic. One more time. Landesklinikum Psychiatric okay. Clinic. Okay. They were slowly introduced to sunlight and underwent therapy. Wow. Lots of therapy. I hope so. Which I'm sure only scratched the surface of the psychological damage done to them by Joseph and their stay in the bunker. Kirsten eventually joined the family after recovering at the hospital. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah. It was touch and go for a while there, but she recovered. Elizabeth had a falling out with her mother and allegedly fell in love with one of her guards at the psychiatric clinic. Honestly... I'd say that after what she went through, whatever brought her joy. Yeah, really. Like if she blamed her mother or if, if yep. her mother didn't bring her joy in her life, I'm sorry, just cut, just cut yeah. her out. You Marie do, Kondo, you, yes, yeah. you do whatever brings yep. you joy at this yeah. point because My you goodness. just spent 24 hours, 24 hours, 24 years also in true. hell. It was also 24 hours. It was. Many of them. Many 24 hours. But that's what I'm really blown away by is I think I hear this and again, first I think it's a movie and then I think... This must have, again, because I just think everything bad happened in the 70s. Sorry. Uh, So I think it happened a long time ago. But to have them released is the wrong word, but free in 2008. Right. Which is only a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Two years. Right. Approximately. Right. (laughs) But it's far more recent than I realized. Oh, I know. I know. 
And Kirsten, Felix, and Stefan were later reunited with now 16-year-old Lisa, 14-year-old Monica, and 12-year-old Alexander, also known as the upstairs children. Wow. The children did not get along at first, which... I'm sorry to call them this, but the downstairs children right. must have felt a sense of resentment. Of course. Like why us? And they saw them, you know, being out in the world and enjoying their life. Of so course. that must have been so hard. But apparently the children all eventually developed a very strong bond with each wow. other. I wonder what the upstairs children thought of Elizabeth. Because obviously it was not her choice. Right. You know, none right. of it was her choice. So I wonder what they thought of her. If they, I hope that they were able to build a relationship as well. Right. And I, I, I can't, the transition is unfathomable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just going to stick with that word. I know. <laughs> I'm going to stick with it. DNA tests confirm that the six surviving children were all fathered by Joseph Ugh. Fritzl. He was charged with rape, incest, coercion, false imprisonment, enslavement, and negligent homicide of the infant Michael. He went to trial in St. Poulton, pleading guilty to all charges except enslavement and murder. Joseph took little responsibility. He denied ever raping Elizabeth as a child. He said, I'm not a man who would molest children. Really? You sound exactly like a man who would molest children. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. He said, I only had sex with her later, much later. Joseph said his attraction to Elizabeth became irresistible once she was completely in his power inside the bunker and that they didn't have sex until the spring of 1985, nine months after he imprisoned her. He said, I couldn't control myself anymore. I wanted to have children with her. It was my dream to have another normal family in the cellar with her as a good wife and several children. There's so much wrong with that statement. Mm -hmm. At some stage, somewhere in the night, I went into the cellar. I knew that Elizabeth did not want it. What I did with her. The pressure to do the forbidden thing was just too big to withstand. When asked about the whole situation, he said, why should I be sorry? I took good care of her. I saved her falling into the drug scene. That is why I had to arrange a place where I gave her the chance by force to keep away from the bad influences of the outside world. He also said that he was born to rape, but he controlled himself for quite some time. He said he could have behaved worse than locking up his daughter. He said it was lovely to have a family in the cellar. Elizabeth, Kirsten, Stefan, and Felix accepted me as the head of the family completely. Not by choice. No. No, by force. Wow. By force. Delusional. Speaking of delusional, he underwent a psychiatric assessment to determine if he was sane enough to stand trial. The psychiatrist diagnosed him with deep psychological issues, a severe combined personality disorder, and a serious sexual disorder, Mm -hmm. but deemed him sane enough to stand trial. Good. I like that. With the caveat that she recommended that he should spend the rest of his days in a secure psychiatric unit and should never be set free because he would always be a danger to society. Yep. Fair. Exactly. A fair assessment. Yep. At trial, Joseph's attorney tried to argue that he wasn't a monster. He pointed out that Joseph brought a Christmas tree down to the cellar during the holidays. Would a monster do that? Okay, so I know that everyone by, well, this isn't in the United States, but that in at least our judicial system, everyone is entitled to a fair trial. And as a part of that, you get a lawyer. But how can you take that case? How? How can you, how can you argue that? I'd be like, No. I think in in the U.S., I can't because I don't know Austrian right. law or what their charges are. In the U.S., I think you'd lean 
harder on the um, incompetence. Right. Right. On the competency defense. Um, or you would be going to the elements to try to avoid like a life sentence, but you right. would be really screwed. Yeah. You'd Ugh. be really screwed. So the answer is yes, a monster would bring right. the Christmas tree yes. down. Joseph had to sit through 11 hours of his daughter's videotape testimony. Elizabeth explained that she had resisted her father at first, but then she had to give way to her father's daily demands for violent sex because she knew her life and later the lives of her children depended on it. Not only did he rape her thousands of times, he humiliated her by forcing her to reenact scenes from pornographic videos he brought to the cellar and made her watch. The tape was so hard to watch that the jury was not required to watch more than two hours at a time. And yet I think that it, I, I don't think that was a punishment for Joseph. I, I can imagine, especially from that quote you said earlier when he was describing how he raped her for the first time, I get the feeling that he was reliving that happily in his mind. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was not a punishment for him. I would agree with you, but after his daughter's testimony and seeing her in court, he changed his plea to guilty on all charges. Interesting. They said that he was avoiding eye contact and that his body language changed after he saw her in court. I would agree. Had that not been in there, I would agree with you that he is like a completely sick, deranged person, but it did seem for him to change his plea to maybe something clicked for him. Yeah. Or he just realized, because what better evidence? You literally fathered the children. That's perfect evidence. Oh, I know. There's literally no way out of that. Which actually makes me wonder, I don't know if you know he... Uh, if he was actually charged with the murder for baby Michael, mm-hmm. because I actually don't know if they would have had evidence of that. Well, her testimony, because they had the, the twin was still alive. Her, te- her testimony, testimony that there were two babies and that that baby passed away right. from his failure to provide medical care. Right. I'm just surprised because it's her word. Really? She didn't have any proof that, that he was a twin. Right. But I mean, would you doubt anything she said at this point? I hope not. I'm glad yeah. that that wasn't the case. I would yeah. think they're relying. I, I would think that they have deemed her a credible witness yeah, at this fair. point. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. It, it would come down to credibility, but I think, I think she's, she's got, got it. it going for yeah, her she at this point. In 2009, Joseph was sentenced to life imprisonment and committed to an institution for the criminally insane. Mm -hmm. Recently, in April 2022, a court decided that he could be moved from a psychiatric facility to a regular prison to serve out the rest of his sentence. He's 87 and suffering from dementia, and the court deemed that he's no longer a danger to others. It has been reported that he stays in his cell and keeps mostly to himself to avoid being attacked by other prisoners. I was thinking that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Who are disgusted by his crimes. Good. In 2016, he had his teeth knocked out by fellow prisoners, which is divine because his daughter and grandchildren, children, children, mm -hmm, also were missing their teeth. He's eligible for release this year, but there is no way that this man ever sees the light of day again. Also fitting. Figuratively, not literally, like the conditions he imposed on his daughter and grandchildren. Yeah, isn't that sick? And I think we also talked about this with John Jay, but the conditions that he is living in are far better. Yeah. To say the absolute least than he put them through for 20. Like he, I think he will, I forget the ages, but he will have 
been in prison less time than he mm-hmm. kept them, right? Mm-hmm. Unreal. Right. Because he, 24 years, he kept them mm-hmm. and he's been in jail since 2008. Yeah. Which is not 24 years ago. Thank goodness. It's not. No. But that is the case of Oof. Elizabeth Fritzel. Wow. So when I said that I had heard his name, that apparently was about it. Um, I did not know all that detail, all that, all that terrible detail. I just... Thanks, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think we really, I think we said it eloquently when we said it's unfathomable. Unfathomable, obviously. I just, this is, I think we mentioned this in The Dungeon Master too. I can't even put myself in that no. headspace. No. First of all, the claustrophobia, <laughs> those quarters, you have to turn sideways to walk down them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think about what it's like to stay in a c- cabin room on a mm-hmm. cruise ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so small. Yeah. And you're like, I can't live like this right. anymore. Right. Where you have to like turn no sideways. Yeah. Right. You have to like turn sideways to close the. Yeah. And when yeah. you, this is like such a first world example. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so sorry. But like when you're in an inside cabin and yeah. you wake up and you're like, I have no idea what time, what time of day. <laughs> but let me go upstairs to my buffet. <laughs> I know. Okay. Like I said, this is like the worst yeah, no, first world example. But honestly, that's. I not having the the fact that she survived. So she, she obviously she she survived. She's yeah. living in a remote village with like a different name and there's yep. security and she Good. has a very private life now Good. with her children. Um but I hope I hope that she was able to resurrect some form of a real life because like I said, it was cloudy for six weeks mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was like, where's the sun? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy one of those lamps for mm-hmm. the, <laughs> for yeah. the UV light. Yeah. You think of like seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. So the fact that they were able, able to overcome those circumstances and plants, plants die without sun. Right. So the fact that their bodies didn't shut down from lack of sunshine and air like no right. air that's what like you said there must have been some kind of tiny bit of air but it certainly wasn't enough and it was you know moldy and wet down there too it's like i wanted to say and realized after the podcast with the john jay one um that he may not have murdered them but he did right. in a way he, he ended their life exactly and he, he never gave the children a chance at a life he and like you said too, I, we're just repeating ourselves, but I'm just trying, I'm trying to pro I'm trying to decompress and process yeah. this episode. Elizabeth had a life. She knew what the outside right. world was like before it was taken away from her. Stefan, Kirsten, Felix, that's all they knew. Mm-hmm. Despite and, the videos. But even then, like that, that's not going to give you, it, it could just, they could have just as well shown videos of the moon or a right. fake planet or, you right. know, a fake world right. and they would never have known exactly we watch fake videos of mm-hmm. of not well they're not fake videos of space but we watch videos of space and we've never been there and you're like wow well, yeah <laughs> is it, okay you're <laughs> really really good with drawing parallels first the cruise ship now fake space okay <laughs> the, the tell cru- me your thoughts on the moon landing <laughs> Okay, but the cruise ship was a good parallel. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is we could see a fake planet or a fake world and on we TV. Would never know. So this, as you all know, this is how we cope it is with laughter. It is never about no. the victims. It's never about the, no. the fact, like we said it a billion times during this. It is unfathomable, but real. 
And we know that. And the only way to continue with our nights and move on from discussing this um, is to laugh. Yeah. So that's what we do. I just, but like I said, I really, I really hope that she has put Mm. together some semblance of a life. And I bet that they have bonded um, over the situation and that they just appreciate everything that they have in their life after living that way for 24, 19, 15 all those years. I was, going, <laughs> I was really confused at the numbers you were spouting there. I was there. doing the, the children's ages. I gathered that after a while. It's Actually, like one of those puzzles. 19, 18, like, What do five. these numbers have in common? <laughs> nothing. Continue the pattern. Nothing. They have nothing in common. So if you are enjoying our unfathomable stories and are enjoying listening to Grimm, Please rate and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss any episodes. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, make our day by leaving us a written review because we love to read them and share them with each other. You can find our page on Facebook by searching Grim colon a true crime podcast. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, you can go to Patreon and search Grim colon a true crime podcast. Did you hear it's really fun? The Discord? Yeah. Oh my God, the Discord's so fun. It's so fun. We share memes and cases and life stories and... It's like a group chat with us. It's great. It is pretty great. There's also um, a fun little peach emojicon. <laughs> emojicon? That's not even a word. <laughs> that is, you were trying to say emoticon, which is a very old way to say that. <laughs> Sorry. It, well, my brain tried to punch through with the emoji, and the other <laughs> half went emoticon, so I said emojicon. <laughs> gruel. <laughs> it's so gruel. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at Grim Crime Podcast for information on future episodes and case photos. If you want to send us a case suggestion like Jennifer and ruin our lives, just kidding, we love you, or just say hi, you can email us at grimcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Listen, learn, and stay alive until next time because the future is grim. (laughs) 